find myself in times of trouble Mother Mary comes to me Speaking words of wisdom Let it be I just want to say, man, that, uh, that a lot of... Uh, 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 just a second, Mr. Roach clip. Uh, yeah. uh, let, let's try it again, okay? Uh, we'll just take it from this top end and just relax. Yeah, yeah, I know I know what I was going to say. Okay, yeah. I'll, we'll just take it from Mr. Roach clip, okay? Uh, ready? Right, when sure. I cue you. Sure. Looking out on the morning rain I used to feel so Yeah. 
Cheers. 
a free clinic. <laughs> hey, man, ain't that your old lady, man? Yeah. Oh, uh, man. Take it from me. <laughs> we got a soul brother here. He's a soul DJ. Come to us from Soul Station ASOL. <laughs> Would you please welcome the most right arm man in show business? Right arm. Right arm, Washington.
come. Here I come. Hey, Buffalo. Hey, man, what's happening? Hey, did I sound like a cop? Hey, wow, man. What happened to your place, man? It looks like hey, Wow, what a mess. Hey, listen, man. The only reason I come over is, can you sell me a couple of lids? Oh, what's the matter, man? BlackPlasticMutinyRadio.fm series 10 years now and I've only played opposite three women. A hatchet-faced sheriff's wife, a chief's old squaw, and that girl last episode who fled back to Philadelphia and became a nun. Which means found sand, white eyes. Suddenly, the masked rider thought he heard a sound in the distance. Wait a minute. Uh, I think I hear a sound in the distance. Ah, you're right. Hit wagon train. Here it come now. Mm, but I don't see anything. Take off mask, white eyes. Hit all right. I know who you are. Oh, yes. There it is. I can see it now. <laughs> you look funny with white strip around eyes, like negative raccoon. We'd better go down and investigate. Investigate? Me no savvy. What mean investigate? You see one wagon train, you see them all. But me go along. After all, me paid to keep eye on you by parents at home in Oshkosh. Hmm. Oshkosh. Nice name. Me like. Indian name. Slurring his magnificent speed, the masked man sprang into action. That's not your line. Meanwhile below, the wagon train drove into a circle. Stone Ranger. 
Peace, brother. Look, funny hat, beard, must be hippies. You rock and roll. Don't be silly, Pronto. They are obviously meth freaks. Huh? You are both wrong. We are religious freaks. We are of the mammon faith. You mean you go to Salt Lake City? No, that is another sect. We are going to Reno, there to erect a mammon temple. You mean you're... Yes, I am Getem Young. Ah, uh, me could think of better pun. Not on radio, you stupid in... Folks, this is Radio Phil. In a moment, my program. But first, a word from our sponsor. Brought to you by Degenerate Mill. Friends, have you tried cornflakes lately, folks? They're cornier than ever. And for a surprise, mix them with molasses for a real cornball dessert. Big job cotton swabs give your ears sex appeal no matter where you use them. Use this. Uh, no, in your ear. Huh? Uh, allow me. Oh, wow. Now, I love you. And I love you too, you itty bitty scooby doo Oh, baby boo boo. You scooby Yes, big job cotton swabs give your ears sex appeal, no matter where you use them. Pig beer. Drink big, think big, feel big, drink pig. Get tank. Put a pig in your tank. Gross out with pig beer. Hungry? How about a nice big lukewarm bowl full of tasteless garbage? Look good? Go ahead and try some. Taste good? Tastless garbage, tasteless garbage, tasteless garbage. You eat it every day. Folks, I'm Bob Crud, originator of the famous Tower Stores. Look for a Tower of Crud store in your area soon. Also, listen for our new radio show, The Tower of Crud Tower Hour. Come down Makes your eyes red just thinking about them, huh? Okay, Bob, I'm going to make you do it. I'll give you $50 and 50 reds for your keys right now. Oh, take the red. No, I'll give you $1,000 and 50 reds. I want the hand. He wants the hand. Okay, Bob, here we go. Now I must remind you that behind the other two doors are narcs. Okay, Bob, here we go. What will it be? Will it be door number one? Door number two or... Or what? Narcs. There's two narcs behind the other. I'll take the bread, man. I'm sorry, Bob. It's too late. You have to choose. What will it be? One, two, or three? Number three. Four. No, no, Bob. There's only three. I know. You're nervous. Okay. One, two, or three? Two, one. Two, one. Oh, number three, man. Number three. One, two. Three. Two,
Swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are you on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg The Whitewater Tyranny, Twitter and the Neoliberal Workplace. So, I've been off Twitter now for a month, the longest period in my life of me not using that site since I got my first smartphone in 2009 and started an incredible 13-year run of chatting absolute shite online. An astonishing achievement, even if I was forced to leave as a result of being banned for being beastly about that nice Mr. Putin. So, a month later, what are my thoughts? One of the things I've noticed most is how similar being on Twitter was to my last job before I went mad, caught Covid and became a crip. As you'll recall, I used to work in a call centre, and it sucked. And it especially sucked when our managers decided to outsource the work of the specialist department I used to work in to a centre in a country ran by a homophobic dictator because of his country's looser regulatory environment. Woo! Keep sponsoring those prides, guys! 
The new department I got moved to was busier. Much busier. And suddenly, I got the full experience of genuinely being battered by call after call after call. Where once I had had time to do all the admin that I was required to do for each customer without having to take myself off the phones, I now found myself trying to get it taken care of in the course of calls themselves, to minimise my whole time, all while giving the customer my full attention and having real conversations, obviously. It was stress of a kind I'd never experienced, and I've worked retail over Christmas. But the thing about a physical queue is that it has an end you can see. Even if more and more people keep joining it, you can work it down. All you see in a call centre is a number, and that number rarely goes down. And it hardly ever reaches zero, unless something's gone wrong. Oh, how we all used to pray things would go wrong. Of course, the customer doesn't see this side of the affair. All they hear is the hold music, constantly interrupted by recorded declarations that your call is important to us, reminders that you are 89th in the queue, and constant patronising interjections that this is so much easier to do online. It's no wonder that even the nicest customers were a little tetchy by the time they got through to a human. But let's be honest, this is Britain. Nice customers were rare. More common by far were angry, lazy, judgmental scum who more often than not just wanted someone to shout at to make them feel better about their own mistakes. Their own inability to remember that some places are shut on bank holidays, that debts generally have to be paid, that it doesn't matter how much money they have in their bank account, we could not, in fact, do things for them which were illegal and certainly couldn't agree to do that kind of thing on the phone. If you've worked in one of these places, you know the kind of thing, and the vitriol that results when you tell these entitled creeps no. And how did I choose to spend my lunch times and the 50-minute breaks I was lucky to work enough hours to qualify for? I spent them browsing Twitter. I mean, not the whole time. During lunch I'd usually do a little reading, whether on break or lunch I'd usually have to piss, but like most of us these days, I would scroll on the toilet and there were always notifications coming in, replies, retweets, and likes. I would sit by the canteen window, my lunch on the bar, a book in my hand, my phone laid to one side, but within easy reach like an ashtray, and every now and then it would vibrate. And because I was a trans woman on Twitter, the replies I got were often every bit as vicious, as vituperative, as vile as the abuse I would receive from angry customers. I'm not saying getting abused on Twitter is the exclusive purview of us trannies, obviously. You get the same kind of crap if you're black, or brown, or gay, or a woman, or espouse left-wing views. Regular readers will be aware I tick three of those boxes too, though it's by no means an exhaustive list. In a society which is systemically racist, sexist, misogynist, and riddled with neoliberalism, it would be a miracle if Twitter didn't replicate those dynamics. What's different is the speed. Just like the queues on the call centre phones, the Twitter queue was never ending. But the clever bit was, in amongst the tides of shit, there would be flecks of gold, a genuinely valuable reply, an incisive quote tweet, 
a disc that was at least original and well-constructed, rather than just some genitally-obsessed weirdo yelling, PENIS! And always, the steady stream of likes and retweets from good comrades. Appreciation. Interaction. Dopamine. Look, odds are you don't need me to tell you how shit Twitter is. There's a good chance you've experienced it yourself. But that dopamine hit is why we keep coming back. My employer's internal propaganda told me I was a valued member of staff, and not just an emotional punch bag for the worst people in the country, but that was transparently fake. They didn't value me, they didn't see me as a person, they just needed me to fill a chair. But on Twitter, real people, actual humans, were tapping a digital heart and telling me they liked the things I said. They showed things that I said to their friends. They got in touch and said I made them laugh, and I got such feedback almost instantly. My employers could go on about how much they valued me, but Twitter showed me I was loved. And that was almost worth the times it showed me how much I was hated. Until one day, it wasn't. Slowly, imperceptibly, Twitter became more like work. Not just in the sense of having to wade through more and more angry dickheads every day, but in the sense of constant, hostile surveillance. All social media is a surveillance operation to some extent, obviously. A shout out here to the poor sod from the FBI who has to monitor Mutiny Radio's output. But just as they rely on us to self-report by logging in and giving updates, and because the internet will always be shit under capitalism, Twitter decided to outsource the problem of moderating the gargantuan quantity of information passing through its site to its users too. Sure, they had an algorithm as well, but they seemed to have relied mainly on reports from users, which of course allowed turverts and their fascist incel chums to run mass reporting campaigns on anyone from groups they didn't like who was getting too popular. It's not lost on me that the alt I moved to after my main got nuked only started to experience problems when my retweets started getting into the thousands again. Make no mistake, this shit is organised. You might even call it cancellation. But even before my alt got nuked too, there was no escaping the fact that Twitter wasn't what it used to be, because people I liked and followed were dealing with bans too. And sure, they were coming back with alts, but you had to faff on finding them, and people who didn't want to do this dance were forced to watch what they said to avoid having accounts, which in some cases they depended on for their livelihood, taken down. And meanwhile, of course, the abuse directed at us never stopped. Sometimes we scored victories, getting the penis botherer Helen Staniland removed, or sending Graham Linehan home to cry into his carbonara, but for the most part, it seemed much harder to get a transphobe banned for actual abuse than to get a trans woman kicked off the platform for using the word prick. Suddenly, logging into Twitter was a lot like going to work in the neoliberal workplace, a zone of surveillance in which you constantly self-monitor, policing your expression, and where you can't help but notice people whose faces fit never face sanctions, while you know you're being watched for the slightest deviation from the accepted behavioural norm. By the time they fired me, I wanted to get fired. And sure, adjusting has been hard. You do get withdrawal symptoms. How could you not? Your brain misses those constant little dopamine boosts. 
And even scrapping with turverts has its chemical reward, the adrenaline of conflict, not to mention the dopamine from people retweeting your disses. Suddenly, that's all cut off, and Facebook is shit methadone. You twitch. You pace. You drum your fingers. You start playing Wordle again. You think about buying a burner phone, setting up a Proton mail address and starting over. But why? You'll probably just get kicked off again. There are, however, benefits. I read a lot more now, and when I read, I read for longer, because my brain is growing less and less habituated to the need to be constantly checking my phone, which I sometimes leave in the other room when I go for a piss now. Such social media as I remain on has a slower update pace, especially given that I tend to police my friends list elsewhere much more carefully than I did on Twitter. I can watch whole films without interrupting myself now. It's too early, I think, to say what it's done to my writing. There is a discipline you develop as a writer from having to fit your thoughts into as close to 280 characters as possible, especially if you eschew text speak. But on the other hand, I now find it much easier to lay out a longer argument and write from point to point, even in a Facebook status update. And the last two entries on this blog consist of text from Facebook updates, which I thought would benefit from being easier to find if I need to refer back to them. I hope that I am staying the right side of prolixity here. I don't know if I'm less angry. Sometimes I feel more rage for not having the output. But overall, and importantly, although I miss the interaction with some individual tweeters, I don't miss Twitter itself, despite having been on it since 2009. Because Twitter is no longer the site that I joined in 2009, and hasn't been for quite some time. on a lark and peeing in the park. You should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl. That's the duh of Francais, not the duh of dumbass. But never mind that. Don't follow me now. Follow me later. I mean, for right now. Hello, welcome to Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube, a.k.a. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hey, Mike. Thanks again for having me. I'm ready to roll. Now, you act like, yeah, I'm really happy to have you here as my co-host. It's like my a millionth appearance on The Tonight Show. Thanks for having me, Johnny! <laughs> the perpetual guest. Okay, we're gonna we have a great show for to you tonight. After we get Carl out of the way, we're gonna have <laughs> from Better Call Saul, Rio Seahorn. 
But first, Carl. Hey, Carl. Hi, Mike. How are you? Let's Good. do our Carl, Carl's being humble up front, calling himself the guest for the show that he wrote the theme song you just heard. He has researched this movie we're going to watch today, and he has interviewed a celebrity comedian. So I feel like I'm a guest. We're here on MutinyRadio.fm every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We have a new neighbor. Well, we have a new neighbor. Uh, our twelve, our, our noon slot is now found round sound <laughs> from Scotto. Right. Uh, as you know, we are big fans of Flat, Flat Plastic, his other musical radio show. And, of course, we love the promo for Flat. Uh, how's it go? Oh, Harry Hooligan. It was like, uh, hey, the dude abides. Remember, it was like mixed I up with that. I haven't heard the new. Uh, yeah, I've got it. I know what you're one. talking about. The old one. I think I know what you're talking about, but I better not chime in. Okay, well, it's Scotto. Scotto is great, great artist, does a lot of collage stuff. Makes me miss the studio, so uh, we're glad to have him. So make it an afternoon, listen to Mini Radio starting at noon, listen to some Found Round Sound, and then listen to us. We're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. That's the title of our show. Uh, and uh, Carl, what is the movie this week? This week we watched Terror Train, 1980. Terror Train. Oh, I like this movie. That is what you put in the YouTube search engine. And the channel we like is Out There Movies. So simply put in Terror Train, 1980 in the YouTube search engine. Find it. The movie, we, the channel we like is Out There Movies. Press play. Press play. You're going to have to say accept, you know, graphic content or adult. Oh. Is there graphic content on Terror Train? In terms of murders. Ooh, I like murders. All right. So here you got a big thing to do. We want you to go to your YouTube, type in Terror Train, 1980. 180. 80. You're going to find Out There is hosting it. Go ahead. Out There click Movies. Out, out there, there Movies. Click the link. Hit pause. As Carl said, move it to 000. While you're on the internet, sign up for our podcast at LWAFLMOYT. And while you're on YouTube, subscribe to our channel, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, where Carl sings the movie to this thing. So I had mentioned Carl, as a guest, has produced the show. And he also spoke to a comedian earlier this week uh, to do our Celebrity Comedian Countdown. Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Taylor Andrews. Welcome, Taylor. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to uh, to be able to count from three to one. It's uh, not many people could do that. So it's I a remember skill set we chose you for. We wanted you on because we had heard of your counting skills. Here you are. Now your name is Taylor Andrews, right? But it's not really. You went under. You underwent a name change. Tell us about that. Why did you make that choice? Yeah. So it's interesting. I um. So, I mean, I had been doing comedy for a couple of years under my original name. Um, and then it started to run me a little bit of issue in work. So, actually, it ran me into a couple issues with my job. I originally went by uh, The Bear Dude online. Um, and it was kind of my alter ego. Um, but for some reason, everybody could still find it. <laughs> when I was coaching, um, I kind of ran into an issue um, where all the kids kind of found one of my TikToks and they did not like it. I met with the coaches um, and they were just like, I mean, I, I was coaching the college level. So I, it was kind of like they, they kind of had to deal with like what I was doing in my own time. Then I got into my next job 
I started teaching uh, at a high school and a lot of students kind of found my content, same thing. And oh, the high school incident, that's the one I want to get into now. I think that they found you naked in a bathtub. <laughs> Tell us that story. Tell and, and, and go through how it you, you came into the classroom. There was, you know, then you're with the, the, the there you're in the office with the principal. Tell, tell us about this. Yeah, so I was half naked. I want to make I want to make this very clear. I have never been naked on camera. I've actually never even sent a nude. Now you were doing a music video and you were in a bathtub. Tell tell us tell us what it was and then how, when you walked into the class and they all knew. Tell us about yeah. it. Yeah. So I um so I, I'm a musical comedian. Um, you know I do regular stand up comedy, but my bread and butter is creating songs from jokes. So I posted it um, probably in February, uh, and about March, my coworkers found it on YouTube, um, and they actually showed up to one of my shows. And I was like, "Oh no! Like I'm the I'm getting fired. Like this is, this is the end." Uh, and I was talking to one of the guys after. He goes, "No, dude, don't like don't worry about it. Like it's totally fine or whatever." Um, so then, some some girl was on my Instagram page, and she literally goes, "Taylor," and she shows me a video of my I'm holding on my phone. Uh, she shows me a video of my regular stand up comedy, uh, and then. Uh, I was sitting there, it was second period. Um, I'm sitting in my classroom and like five kids barge in. And I was like, what is going on? I'm a kid, he pull, pulls up his phone and it's just the video of me. And like, I'm in the bathtub with my guitar. Um, and I was like, oh shit, like this is it. Um, so then I went outside and I was like, all right, what's gonna happen? I got called into the principal's office, right? And they said, uh, do you know why you're in here? And I said, yeah. And I just basically explained, I said, listen, like I'm a comedian, this is what I do. I'm trying to make it as a comedian. The, he was like, uh, but like, what about the pornographic content? And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and he's like, the porn. And I'm like, what porn? I was like, I've never posted porn in my life. Like I, I've, as much as I would love to be a porn star, like I don't have the, I don't have the gear for it, you know? So I, I, um. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, listen, like, this is what's happening. I already know what's happening. Watch the video. And they're like, ah, like, we don't want to watch it. I'm like, but like, if you don't watch it, how do you know what I did? Right. So uh, eventually I got sent into the assistant superintendent's office. Um, and then he goes, listen, I'm going to hit it to you straight. Um, and then he's like, you can either, you can either resign <laughs> or I can, we could fire you right now. But I was like, let me ask you a question before I make my decision. I was like, did you like the video? <laughs> Right. Uh, and he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll resign. That was what I needed. Um, just got a letter in the mail a couple days ago. Um, it's a, uh, it's an order to show cause, um, for this specific situation. So basically they're saying, um, there's a potential that my teaching license gets revoked because of it. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So it's, it's really an interesting situation. Well, you know, so. Certainly in our community and everything now, we all love you and know you. The, the way you do the guitar is a very unique way of being a comedian. And we have a common friend in Anthony Quinn. Welcome to Quinspiracy. My name is Anthony Quinn. All right. Yeah. You're on Late Night with Anthony Quinn. Now, what you did on your own, independent, without anyone asking you, is you just came up with a rap song for Anthony. Oh, yeah. And you're doing shoots and you're making a video now. I, t tell us about the rap video with Anthony. What inspired you and, and what is the process now to make this thing happen? Yeah, so I think, I think it's interesting because comedy, we spend a lot of time alone, right? And I, I've always kind of... I've thought about that because like we all have such different brains because everybody just kind of works on their own and it's almost like you're you're kind of screwing up um, the ability to create something amazing. So I was um, 
I was sitting, I was at a show uh, with a couple of guys, uh, and somehow Anthony Quinn came up in conversation. Mm-hmm. And then somebody goes, wouldn't it be funny if he was just like a rapper? And somebody else goes like, we should make a music video. I, like, like, we're doing this now. Like, this is, this is happening. So I was like, I will text Anthony Quinn right now. I texted Anthony Quinn. I said, Anthony Quinn, do you want to make a rap video? And he was like, he goes, Anthony Quinn's down for anything. And I was like, perfect. You know, and I think Anthony Quinn's got such a great facade. He's got such a great personality. Like, uh, so that's I kind heard of- your demo of the song and it's really good. Yeah. And then I heard the rough cut with Anthony singing it. <laughs> and it's really good. It wasn't mixed well, but I mean, I heard, you know, Anthony and him doing the lines. It's really mm-hmm. going to be a hit. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. And I, I know you said, like, you wanted them to perform it or whatever, but, like, I guess to me, it's, like, it's an unfinished product right now. Well, it's after it's done, we'll, we'll we'll put it on Late Night with Anthony Quinn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my vision was he was just going to lip sync the song, but we'll talk about it. Like, if you oh, want yeah. to do the video, how would we go about it, et cetera. I think it'll yeah. be a big splash. It'll be yeah. terrific. Now, Taylor Andrews, how can people find you out there on the internet, on YouTube, on, on social media? You got a website. Give us the dish here. How, how can people connect with you, see yeah. your shows, and check you out online? Yeah, yeah. So um, if you follow me at Andrews underscore comedy, um, that's the place to follow me. So I, Instagram, TikTok, I'm starting to work on. It's not, I've got two music videos, uh, Cam Girls Live and the OnlyFans Campfire song. If you want to see the music video that got me fired, that one is Cam Girls Live. Taylor Andrews. Now, everyone at home is poised to watch this movie at the exact same time as we do in the studio. That means we all must press, press play at home at the same time we do in the studio. And that is why you are here to give us that celebrity comedian countdown. All right. Am I doing it? I This is no pressure. I've been training as a musician for this moment as well, just to be able to do quarter note beats. You ready? Ready. All right. Three, two, one, go. Thank you, Celebrity Comedian Countdown. That was very cool, very interesting. I can't wait to listen to it when it comes out. Let's start a movie. 20th Century Fox. Oh, forget that. We got rock and music, right? Yep. Now, 20th Century Fox, I mean, this was an independent film. They bought it to distribute because they didn't have a slasher film in their catalog. That's crazy. 1980, they had none. That's right. And they spent, yeah, right, because horror was going around at this time. And they spent a lot of money on the promotions, you know, like posters and commercials, et cetera. And they made it a hit. This thing made money. Now, in this fraternity party, you could tell the old guy immediately in the in the group. Yeah. He's <laughs> like sticks out like a sore throat. Now look, they're gonna burn their banner. Yeah, it's a new year, Carl. You gotta burn the is old and bring is? out the new. Yeah. Well, those books aren't gonna burn themselves, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> you ever go to a book burning and like some dick brought a candle? I know it's environmentally unfriendly. That is your joke. I know. I love that joke. This is the Jewish fraternity I pledged, by the way. (laughs) What? Locks, locks, and locks. Yeah. Locks, locks, locks. and locks. They got all the yarmulkes. Now, is that we? I've seen this movie before. David Copperfield's in this. Yes. Now this guy here. Yeah. He's getting set up for a prank. He doesn't know it yet. 
they have put, they're going to make it like he's going to sleep with Jamie Lee Curtis, but really they put a cadaver in the bed. You see, these are med students, okay? Whoa. And they're freshmen. According to this story, they're freshmen right now. Bro, have you ever done a stunt like that? What? Have you ever, like, for shits and giggles, put a corpse in the bed and told them <laughs> that? It's... I haven't, but I don't have access to the morgue like these guys do, you see. This is our second medical school movie we've seen. We've, of course, seen Stitches, directed by Alan Smithy. Right. I was going to say RoboDoc, but that was not a school at all. No, well, that was a lot of learning on the set of RoboDoc. Yes, yes. How to act. <laughs> <laughs> now, we have our archetypes, right? Is this guy, he doesn't seem like the fat guy. He's just the nerd guy. Well, he is, he is the fat nerd guy, but and he'll be later in the film, but he's not really... We're just getting him right now for comic relief. Like, yeah, gotcha. wear the beanie until you get laid. And once you get laid, you can take off the beanie. He's like, me, sir, get laid, sir. I don't think so, sir. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Does foreplay count? <laughs> no. Look. Yeah. Uh, he got a dead person's hand, really, literally, in his hand. So they're already fucking with him with dead bodies. Yeah, that's right. Now... What's about to happen is going to be an inciting incident that kind of like makes him crazy. You see, they don't know it, but he already brought a little crazy to college with him in his brain. He already did. And then they're going to fuck with him with a corpse in the bed. It's going to push him over the edge. So he brought his Pink Floyd movie poster and his uh, emotional baggage with him. <laughs> right. Right, he arrived at school, he opened up his bag, he pulled out. Well, we watched a movie years ago that has the same fucking plot. It was called National Lampoon's Class Reunion, written by John Hughes. Oh, And right. in that movie, they did a prank where this guy sleeps with, I guess, his sister. Uh-huh. And he come, during the class reunion, he comes and murders everybody. Oh, that's right. And have you ever seen the Olivia Spencer movie Ma, M-A? Yes. Yeah, it's great, right? She's fucking great in it. It's 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 a little wonky. It's about the same director who did the help, so it's not like a straight up genre picture. It's a well, little it's muddled. Different, yeah. It's not a straight up genre picture, but you know the genre it comes from. So in the in the movie, Juliette Lewis is is the mom, and they're watching a John Hughes movie, like a festival. John Hughes festival continues, and people are like, oh, that's because she was in European Vacation or whatever. She was in one of the Vacation movies, and Hughes originally wrote them, but. They took the same plot as National Lampoon's Class Reunion, right? Uh -huh. They fucked with Olivia Spencer in, in high school. They did some sick psychosexual right. trick, and then she proceeds to fuck up their kids. Their kids. Yeah. yeah. So, it was uh, an interesting film. It wasn't the greatest film, but that's okay. You could watch the whole thing, and it was worth it. I thought, I thought she was phenomenal in that movie. It creeps the hell out of me. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that great. Okay, so... There's been an arrangement. You're getting laid tonight. We're helping you out, kid. And you're going to get laid with Elena, which is Jamie Lee Curtis. So he's come in, thinks she's in the bed, and she's on the other side of the bed saying, don't be nervous. It's my <laughs> first time, too. So, like, she is reluctant because it's mean-spirited, but she goes along. Is it, it. it mean-spirited to trick someone to sleep with a cadaver? Is it mean-spirited? He doesn't know about the cadaver, because that helps our plot. It helps our character, okay? She doesn't know, which seems so hard to believe. Now, there's a main jerk, okay? this Our main jerk, his name is Doc, because he's going to become a doctor. And he is the one up oh, there. You see that? That's yeah. Ken. 
What? What? Oh, gross. Now he's off. His cuckoo brain is snapping right now. Oh, this is some acting. Surprise! She now, didn't know there was a dead body. Right. There? But all the frat boys do, and they think it's hilarious. It is one of the great fraternity pranks I've, I could think of. Dead body in the. Now this becomes a school incident and a problem, and it's uh -huh. like they're in trouble, and they ban the the bonfire next year, and they burn the bonfire next year. Ban. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of some weird bonfire uh, burnings. I heard of book burnings, but I never heard of, like, bonfire burnings. Now, one thing I don't understand is this movie takes place on a train, so you think it would be categorized as one of those train movies like we've seen. <coughs> but the internet train people, they yes. were not on fire about this movie at all. Well, explain. I see a train. Me too. Huh. You do see a train. As a matter of fact, you see... <laughs> Uh, you see a Canadian Pacific Railway number 1293. It's still on operation <laughs> February 2002. Does it still have the plaque as seen in the movie? No. No, the plaque. Oh, that plaque, maybe. Maybe. But the locomotive's engine number was 1881, and it was renumbered for the film with the number of 1293, and that was not cool. No, that's cool. We just saw 1881 on the trains as you spoke. Going by the screen. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Drake, for writing this play. This play. TD Drake. So, why? Thank you. There, he was he was the producer. So he sees um, Nightmare on Elm Street, and then he sees Halloween. Okay, Halloween, of course. And then he falls asleep, and he has a dream in which those two movies kind of come together, and he wakes up in terror. And and then he turns to his wife and goes, what do you think about a movie? And I, I take Halloween and I put it on a train. And she goes, terrible. And she falls asleep. So he writes down on his dash, on his night. Fuck my wife. The hell with my wife. I'll show my wife. <laughs> That's right. He does. He goes, terrible train. So terrible train. <laughs> a cup of coffee or so, he changed it to terror train. I like terrible train. Two tickets yeah. for terrible train, please. Okay, now. They're going on a party. Like it's their like end of year party. Oh, but they they're the doing it on a train. It's a novelty. It's a costume party for some reason. You know why? Because uh, it why? was Halloween. Intrigue. Oh, they got Jamie Lee Curtis to do another Halloween movie? Another Halloween movie. Right. Well, he actually cast her totally on purpose. Of course. Because she did Halloween. Now, the internet acts like she was a big star. She was not. I mean, she, was she was totally a big star back then. Halloween well, was huge. Halloween 2 was huge. She was in 3, of course, but that was prior to this. Uh, Trading Places was 83. Uh, okay, but this is before that. Yes, it's true that she had four movies out, and they were all horror movies, and they were all in a row. But I'm saying, like, she was the new star... Some people knew she was Tony Curd's daughter, Janet Lee's daughter, but but right. not everybody. She was she was a hit, not a star. Yeah. Now look, he goes, "Would you like a joint?" And it's his finger. 
finger joint. What about the joints, though? This movie is like... You don't tease someone with a joint. You either give it or you don't. Yeah. You either give it to the bus driver or you don't give it to the bus driver. Train, Mike, train. Well, they were taking the, the equipment out of the bus. The, the equipment. Oh, the luggage. Put the luggage? Yeah. Look, there's a bedpan. Is that the Chattanooga Choo Choo? <laughs> yeah, track nine. Track nine. It's all of the time. Now, you see Groucho Marx there? He yeah. was on all the posters, but the thing is, he's only in the beginning. Were they allowed to, to? I mean, I guess he doesn't look totally like Groucho. He's acting he's like our Groucho first Groucho. victim, by the way. Oh, the Jewish guy gets it first. The, he has to do the, <laughs> now, what makes you say he's Jewish? Uh, I don't know. Being Jewish, stereotypes. <laughs> I don't. Know, as someone who's Jewish, I, I have a. I can tell. He's he's really being funny right now. He's he's pretending he's getting married to his blow up doll. Hey, Lars, way to go, real girl. Yeah, I got the save your date, save the date, Lars. Now this and the is real Ben girl. Johnson, our conductor, and he was like a big um, westerns guy. He was a stunt man who became a, a an actor, and um, it's a big deal. Oh, here's David Copperfield. Yeah, the magician. Yeah, he still looks the same. Now there was no magician in this script at all, but this producer named uh, executive producer named Sandy. Uh, Sandy Howard, he loved magic. So he just made this happen. He was like, I want to meet David Copperfield. So he met, made this happen. I think it's great. I think it's a really good touch in this movie. I, I've seen this film a couple times before, but it's nice having David, young David Copperfield in this movie. There's this one scene in which he's behind the, there isn't really, there is a stage. He's behind the stage. He's peeking out of the, the curtains and he's like, this is a terrible audience. They're not going to pay attention. People must watch. I w it was so relatable. Like as a comedian, you look out and you're <laughs> like, those guys are drunk. Nobody else is into it. They're not going to pay attention. This is going to be a horrible audience. Everyone's watching the bar TV. <laughs> Everyone's watching the bar. Right. There's going to be a game on behind David Copperfield at the train. <laughs> or for my next hack, can you move? You now, move subway they, series. <laughs> they set up. Do you mind which? Do you mind what order you go in? Would you mind what number? Okay, you're first. You're first. This this is a nice setup of like a friendship or something, and then we never see it again. We don't. Well, they must be cutting back to the control room, going. There was a second murder. Now that's no. There's no murders yet. There's but there's about to be a murder right this second, Mike. Really? <laughs> yeah. Is it the crazy guy already aboard? It's the... Oh, oh. here we go. Oh, 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 That's so funny! Oh, oh you're pretending so you got funny. stabbed. We're medical doctors. We're medical students. That's There's such a the, great um, break. That's the comic relief guy we saw before. Yeah, right. He's like, thanks uh, for taking it. You see the blood out the back? Yeah, it uh, went down his shorts. Oof! It was that shit stain or was that blood stain? That, that was a blood stain. Phew. Otherwise, it would have been embarrassing. But, I mean, we haven't done the autopsy yet. I mean, okay, look. His costume's coming off because Killer's right, putting it on. Oh, give me a break. Now, can you guess who Killer is? 
Uh, is it the crazy guy from the beginning? Yeah, the, yeah. he was disgraced publicly, and now he's going to get them all back. Uh oh, you ever put a penny on the track? Is the same thing? Yeah, that's what's yeah. going to happen to that guy. He's going to get flattened. Now look, Ben does not see our conductor does not see someone's on the track because he rolled in. Right, and they're not going to feel it when they roll over him. Ding, Here we go. Ding, Skull ding. crunch in three, two. Uh -huh. Ouch! Now he's getting run over. That's right. They threw him under the train. Rasco. Rasco. Yeah, all the, all the um, cars got named. I don't know. Let me just get this train stuff out of the way. Okay. All right. Um, the train was rocked back forth on a rig inside a warehouse in order to simulate train locomotion. Um. All the train scenes had to be scheduled for night shooting because of the uh, warehouse was active during the day, and you could hear. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the The movie was filmed aboard actual train cars that were converted to for large. Oh, uh, you know what? I don't want to read it. While we get to it, okay. So now we're going to establish that Jamie Lee Curtis, who is Atlanta, has a good friend who's Mitchie, which is short for Mitch Michelle, and. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is moving on to somewhere else and they're not going to be roommates anymore. And so now we have a like an endearing girlfriends scene. We're always going to be friends. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's nothing it's, nothing's going to get in the way of our friendship except for murder. <laughs> what that's what we're doing. We're establishing up oh, Rouch is uh, on the train. He's in the ladies car. Now, That's the nice. actor who plays the killer, right? Yeah. He was like a transvestite from Montreal. This is all shot in Canada. It's like Montreal, Quebec. It's one of those uh, same films that's, you know, much cheaper to shoot there, so they're going to do it. Um, He brought a friend to the audition, and they're like, no, we don't like you, but you, we like. And they made him audition. He didn't even know what the movie was. He didn't know Jamie Lee Curtis was a part of it. He didn't know anything. He was a, like, burlesque kind of transvestite from the scene in Montreal. Terror Train was, like, got him, I don't know, breaking all the rules in 85 and family motel. I don't know. It's just kind of a goof how he got the part. He was That's somebody's cool. lied. What? Pretty cool. Look at this. Even on the job, he's reading about trains, about, yeah. <laughs> about transportation. Well, the the old guy is saying the new trains are the way to go. And the young guy is saying these guys are classics. And the old guy is saying if you keep investing in this kind of train, you're not going to have a job in the future. All right. Here we go. You'll be replaced by train bots. Right. He goes. Did you ever see a grocery store at the train station? No, no. Trains are a way of the past. It is true. They never stop off the uh, Piggly Wiggly. Piggly Wiggly. It's the Winn-Dixie. All aboard. How come we have two containers of hummus? Oh, because of Winn-Dixie, it was on sale. So Because of Winn-Dixie. The for the love of Winn Dixie. What was it? The little doggy movie? Where, right. Yeah, for it was for the love of. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, we're from the East Coast. If it was called, 
I can find that dog outside the AMP. I'll be like, oh, cool. Oh, I can relate. Turn it on. Turn it on. Okay, here we go. So that's you performing? Oh, okay. It's past. It's past. We missed some of it. But he's really like behind the scenes evaluating the crowd. And that's you before you perform. Let's say you're like, this guy's crap. Yeah, but it's relatable to a comedian who's looking out going, this is going to suck. They're not going to be a good audience. They're drinking. It's a private party. You're fucked. Okay, now. Did that guy not get laid in three years? This is the big senior guys, and they're with the freshmen, and the freshmen are talking about this incident that happened one time, you know, and then the head, the seniors are like, yeah, I guess we went a little too far. And they're like, that was you guys? They're just letting us know as an audience again. Remember, remember the thing we showed you in the beginning? That's going to pay off. We're not 20 minutes into this movie yet. Aw. Here comes Elena. And now she finds out that it was all his idea. After three years. No, she, no, this party today. She is really pissed at him. Now, that's Die Hard. Do you remember in Die Hard, the guy was like, let me talk to this Euro trash, the one who gets killed? Yeah, that's him, clean shaven dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he had the classic 80s beard. Well, it's 1980. <laughs> oh, let's hear his voice. Okay. Don't worry about it, McLean. I got it. That's right. Hey, John. Hey, John. Oh, come on. Here we go. Speak. Not sing, speak. They're doing the Three Stooges. Hello. He wasn't breaking away in 79, but I don't remember his part. He must have been like the bad guy. I think he was on a bicycle. <laughs> um, let's see. I don't know. He was in Carrie, but it was 2013. Oh, right. I have not seen that. Uh, have you heard these films? Rich and Famous in 81. No. The Wildlife in 84. Make yes. Mr. Right in 87. I think The Wildlife was an unofficial sequel to Fast Times at Ridgemont High uh-huh. that Cameron Crowe wrote. It was with um, Sean Penn's late brother, uh, Christopher Penn. Late brother. Wait, who's the Chris- one who's a singer? Isn't that Michael Penn? <laughs> Might be Michael Penn. But do you remember the Reservoir Dogs uh-huh. where uh, there was like Nice Guy Eddie? Yo, oh, yeah. yeah. That's um, Penn's brother. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he passed away maybe a decade ago. Okay. Now, we got a body count of seven. We're down one already. Here comes Mitchie. And who should Mitchie see? But... Her friend, the regular, you know, because he's in the costume. Yeah. Now. It's a real finger. <laughs> weird. It might be. She kept the joint. That's weird. That's awkward. You ever offer someone weed and they're like, oh, I'll keep this for later. I don't really want to do it. <laughs> right? Hey, you want some mushrooms? Yeah, I do. I'm going to take them tomorrow. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick move. You offered it to me. I guess what I difference, the situation. What difference does it take if I take it now with you or if I take it tomorrow while watching uh, Scooby-Doo episodes, reruns? Now. Oh, they really, really are lizard people. Yeah. Here's lizard guy. 
He was one of the original frat boys, so he doesn't like him either. And he's like, oh, that you pretending you were killed? That was hilarious. <laughs> Look at his eyes, Kenny. Yeah. Now, this guy really was not an actor, and he had clashes with the director because he wasn't familiar with the concepts of, like, showing up for work on time, stuff nice. like that. And uh, there was big fights between him and the... Um, and the director, his name's Derek McKinnon, Derek McKinnon. Later on, he'd be involved with an actual murderer. Um, really? Yeah. Well, he was a neighbor and acquaintance of this guy named Luca Magnata, a one-time porn actor who was convicted in 2012 of slaying a Chinese college student whose remains he dismembered and mailed to several local schools. What? 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 So this, now I'm mad at this Derek guy because he goes in an interview McMinnon speculated that he might have been inspired by the by a title character in Terror Train. Bullshit! You don't he said that. Go, I'm gonna. Yeah, he's what a what a conceited bitch. Right, your fucking neighbor gets dismembered and mailed to schools. And he's also a grouchy jerk. He's showing up late. He's arguing with the director. Listen to this one, Eric Derek McMinnon said that his favorite scene was killing actor Hart. You know, it's diehard guy. Yeah. Because he irritated the crap out of him during filming. What a jerk. <laughs> That's like a fun set. Yeah. So this Derek guy, I don't know. He does his job. He plays his role when the camera's rolling. But when it wasn't rolling, I guess he was a bit of a jerk. There wasn't a sequel to this movie. It wasn't like a Terror Train no. 2. I guess no. Does he die at the end? Who? Of, of killer. You know what? He doesn't really die. He falls off the train. It's the second to last scene they, they shot for the film. He falls off the train. Now, the stuntman could not handle the cold. The stuntman, you know, because he falls into this, like, icy, snowy uh, bank where a river is. And the mist was coming up. He couldn't handle it. So the art director is the guy falling off the train in this scene. All right. We'll have to look for that. Yeah, that's so bad. Like, can you build us a train set in a warehouse and make it realistic? And can you jump off a train? And they rock it. No, he jumped yeah. off a real train. They were rocking it to make it seem like right now they're in a warehouse. Right. But I just think it's funny. Like, he did so much work for this movie, including stunts. <laughs> his credit is art director not um that man right god don't you hate the train bathroom sucks you ever been on a train where like it doesn't work the water's out and just the bathroom reeks you just smell it <laughs> down the car it happens in europe they're called water closets and i didn't know that so i'm uh -huh. looking around for the bathroom and I, there's like all these things you know it says wc wc why in the world would you call it a water closet, right? It's it's literally a closet with water in it. Right. Ridiculous. Ah, uh, beer and coffee. That is a conductor's breakfast right there. You yeah, want to play a little canasta? I got the pegs up. Ben's doing this very unfunny bit where he, like, does a card trick for guests for, I don't know, it's not funny. What a show off. He only does that when Copperfield's on the train. Right. So now, this is Mo. 
Okay, and Mo is the boyfriend and friend of Doc. And what he's trying to do, like Elena is Elena is really pissed off that that this was all Doc's idea, and he's doing pranks on people. Okay, these are really magic tricks that David Copperfield's really doing. It's not special effects. Oh, well, okay. Well, that explains the budget. <laughs> Look, he takes the quarter. He's right. about to buy peanuts, which is not true. And look, the cigarette goes right through the quarter. Wow. It's a menthol. It's not a comic. Uh, it's not a... Why did I say comic? It's not a movie trick. She gave him a quarter and he pulled out a quarter. Uh, she was going to buy peanuts from the vending machine. Unbelievable, number one. And he said, hold it, miss. May I see that quarter? He's got a slick David Copperfield voice. You know, he's a little impressive. He was going to go to college at Fordham University, but they offer him the lead part in a Chicago play all about magic. So he jumped at it, you know? Yeah. He had a successful run there, and then he started doing a magic show in Hawaii at this, like, prominent hotel. Um, And he got noticed by some producer guy who threw him on television, ABC's Magic of Magic, something like sure. that. Yeah, and he did a bunch of those. When he made the Statue of Liberty disappear on national television, it yep. really sucked because I was actually in the statue at the time. <laughs> he did do that. He did some weird uh, stunts. Let's see here. Yeah, the Statue of Liberty, 1983. He made a Learjet disappear in 81. He levitated over the Grand Canyon in 84. Oh, wow. He walked through the Great Wall of China in 86. What? Now, he escaped from Alcatraz in 87, but I don't think that's very They were close. long There clothes. were no guards. They were all... He waited for the tourists to leave, and then he's like, I'm out of here. So he made the Orient Express dining car disappear in 91. He flew on stage in 92 for a few minutes. He, like, flew over the stage. Wow. No, are you... He's impressive. Are you... Are you a fan of the movie series Now You See Me, Now You Don't? And nope. The sequel Now You See Me, Now You Don't too? Nope. Cannot stand it. What what part do you st- can't stand? The part where they fall through a laundry chute in Las Vegas and appear in China? Yeah, see, that's what I mean. Like the thing is, like, it's it was almost like Ocean's Eleven. Like, like everything's perfect. You know, they can they're gonna make up this big you know, everything goes to task perfectly. Oh, he hurt his wrist. Everything's ruined with the. I just don't like that. How like um, if you want to do a heist movie for real, it's got to be like not smooth. It's got right. to be like you know not impressive. It's like you idiots, you plan for this and it's his day off on Wednesday. You dummies, you know what I mean? Like I know a guy who has the key card. Oh really? Oh how convenient! I went. They're to high so school. smug. They're so smug in that movie, and I see that too in Double Tap and the Zombie Land with those two guys in it. Uh-huh. And uh, it's just like they're never going to die. They're never going to get caught. So there's already like this presence yeah. of like you could just walk through it, and right, the chips will fall as they will. Yeah. At the end of the original Ocean's Eleven, they lose all the money when this guy gets cremated. Yeah, that's right. That's the way to go. Right, but that was they like crime. Did, crime does not pay. Like you always right. at the end with like them getting caught. 
Not Ocean's though- Eleven. Everything goes to task. He gets his girl back. Oh right? my God! Have you seen Ocean's Eight, the Julia Roberts yes. uh, spinoff? No, um, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. So, yeah wasn't good i mean it was great it was great to see the met gala and all that stuff but it was just like never sweated there was no guy shows up on wednesday do you remember the hot rock uh donald westlake's series i think uh it was a movie but the the way they would do it is that a guy would come up and say hello i'm the interior decorator and the Uh guy behind the guy's like "Uh, uh, i don't know what to do uh just come right in you know Uh that's perfect i'll pretend i'm a homosexual and i'll get into the building <laughs> oh man. Now this is Mitchie, as you know, and she really didn't go on to do much because she died. Her name's oh. Sandy Curry. Uh she was in Terror Train. Then this is her debut. And then she was in Curtains in 83, Street Justice in 87, and then she dies in 96. Wow. So she kind of went away on her own, but she didn't have a chance to be in stuff. I don't know. Yeah, life goes on. Sorry right. to hear about that. Well, no, her life did not go on, Mike. Life goes on, Carl. <laughs> not for night there was no 97 for mitchy terrible now they have like an open relationship in which they like sleep with other people but they still love each other i don't know it's weird Ooh. okay time for david copperfield whoa what huh? 